Welcome to Living Word. You're about to hear a life-changing teaching designed to challenge you to discover your mission in life, develop your potential, and deploy your talents and skills for a more fulfilling life. Now, prepare to receive the ministry of Dr. Mensah Otterville, Senior Pastor of the International Central Gospel Church. I'm going to do a two-part message between this week and next week that I have titled Jericho is falling. Jericho is falling. By the way, you can tell that it is part of our theme on our background here. And as I preach the message, you understand what this whole uh, mural here is about. Jericho is falling. When Israel got out of Egypt, they got out with the intention that they were going to possess a new land, a land that God had promised to them, a land that they had lived in anticipation of. And so they crossed the Red Sea, came into the wilderness for 40 years, and crossed the Jordan. When they crossed the Jordan, it was the first step into the promised land. And the battle of Jericho was the first and most significant battle that they were involved in, or they were going to be involved in. A lot of preparation had gone into this battle, if you will remember. About 40 years earlier, Moses had sent 12 men to go and spy out the promised land. The 12 men went and came out with a mixed report. 10 of them were very discouraged, encouraged first by what they saw and discouraged by their own insignificance. And they discouraged the heart of the people, uh, telling the people that it was not possible for them to enter the promised land. But two of those uh, spies, uh, Joshua and Caleb, came up with uh, a new report. And they said, well, yes, everything was good. The people were big, but God is on our side and we will take that land. And they brought some encouragement uh, to the people. But even in spite of that, for even thinking it possible that they could enter the promised land, those two people were threatened to be killed, to be stoned by the rest of the multitude. And so the whole nation was discouraged. Forty years afterwards, Joshua, who was one of the first two, had, learned, had now become uh, the leader of Israel, and they are on the threshold of entering the promised land. They're just behind the Jordan River. So he sends two spies. You say, why did he send two spies? Well, he realized out of the 12, only two were good. So instead of working with the majority, he worked with the critical number, a number that he thought would produce a result. So he chose two people, not 12, two, to go spy out the land. The two people went, and, uh, and they came up with a report that said, Listen, the people are afraid of us. Something had happened between 40 years ago and now. 40 years ago, the people came up and said, 
we are afraid of those dwelling in the promised land. We were like grasshoppers before them. But 40 years later, they go out and the report has changed. The people were afraid of the marching troops of Israel. And so Joshua gets ready to go into battle. On the morning of the battle, he sees an angel who's drawn his sword. And he asks the angel, are you on our side or on the side of our adversaries? The angel says, well, neither, but I have come as the captain of the Lord's host. And I have come to give you victory if you will trust. He says to, to, to Joshua, take off your sandals for the place where you stand is holy ground. And so he gives command to Joshua about how to approach uh, the battle of Jericho. And that is what we're going to focus on. Okay, Joshua chapter 6. And we will read verses 5, 1 to 5. Joshua chapter 6, verses 1 to 5. The Bible says, are you there? Joshua is easy to find. Now, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand, its king and its mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city. All you men of war, you shall go all around the city once. This you shall do six days. And seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when they make a long blast with the ram's horn. And, then you and when you shall hear the sound of the trumpet... That all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat. And the people shall go up every man straight before him. And we are blessed by the reading of God's word. Amen. This was the strategy that the angel gave to Joshua. When he appeared to Joshua... Joshua's account was that he saw a man with a sword drawn. But he later realized that's the angel of the Lord. Jericho. What is Jericho? The name of Jericho is very interesting. It simply means a place of fragrance. A place of fragrance. Jericho means a place where things smell good. A place where things smell nice. It's a place of beautiful things. It's a place of palm trees. It's a place of great splendor, of beautiful plants that send their aroma right up through the valley. Jericho, the place of fragrance. But it was a place of fragrance that had been walled. 
and it had been protected so that the children of Israel could not have access to that fragrance. There are a few things I want you to note about Jericho as we look at it from the scripture. First is that Jericho as a city was sighted on a land that God promised to Abraham and not only to Abraham but to Abraham and his seed after him, his descendants after him. So Jericho was sitting right there on the promised land. The place that God promised the children of Israel, somebody has gone to build a walled city on it. It's amazing how sometimes you can believe something is for you, but you find that somebody has built on that which you believe is yours. Israel believed the land was theirs. But now somebody had built on it. And had walled it. And had shut the door. And was telling them that they will have no access to that place. Although it had been promised to them 500 years earlier. 500 years earlier. God had spoken to Abraham and said to Abraham, the land you walk on today as a stranger, I have given it to you and to your descendants. 500 years later, somebody has built on the land. And not only does he have the audacity to build on the land, he has even put a wall around the building, the city. Second thing you note about Jericho is that it is the gateway to the rest of the promised land. It is the first major city. According to some archaeologists, Jericho was the first major walled city in the world. It was a walled city. It wasn't a huge city, but it was walled. In those days, technology was not too much for you to build a wall around a city, but these guys had done it. They had built a wall around their dwelling place. And if Israel was going to go step two into the promised land, Jericho was inevitable. If they failed to take Jericho, the message will go around that the people are afraid. They are bypassing the big problems and trying to look out for small problems. And everybody will gang up against them and drive them back beyond the Jordan and back beyond the Red Sea and back to Egypt. So Jericho was the gateway is like Ghana to West Africa. It was the gateway. It was the entrance. If you wanted to penetrate the promised land, you had to go through Jericho. You had to take Jericho. It was the major city. It was the center of commerce. It was the place that everybody referred to. Jericho was the first stop. It was significant. It was the gateway. Third thing you would note about Jericho is that it was fortified and well defended. It was defended on two fronts. First by the wall and secondly by people that are described as mighty men of valor. That means that strong, well-tested, battle-tested soldiers, warriors. They were protecting Jericho. The wall was defending it. 
And according to our archaeological findings, the walls of Jericho were not one, there were two. There were two levels of walls. So one goes down, the other is still standing. So it has double protection, and then it has mighty men of valor defending it. But God is taking them to possess it. However, it is fortified and well defended. Fourth thing you note about Jericho, that it offered neither access nor exit. It is a city of fragrance. A fragrant place, a place of fragrance, a beautiful place, but the door is shut. The Israelites could not enter, and the people in Jericho could not bring any fragrance out. It did not allow anybody to enter. It did not allow anybody to get out. Can you imagine how the children of Israel would have felt when they confronted Jericho, by the way, they had never seen a walled city before. They've lived in the wilderness, and it's, the wilderness is open. You can go anywhere you want, uh, and you can enter anywhere. They only saw mountains. That, those were the big opposition. But this is artificial resistance, a wall. And it's protecting the land, and they've never seen that before. And they've never seen a huge city like that before. All that they had seen was what happened in the wilderness. Remember, all the people who are now about to enter Jericho never saw Egypt. They, have never, they never saw what Egypt was like. They only knew wilderness life. And now they've come to city and the city is threatening. It's almost like taking somebody from a typical village in some deprived place in Ghana... I don't want to mention anybody's village. You all like your villages, so. A deprived village where there's not much electricity. He hasn't seen a building more than two stories before. The biggest building in his village is a two-story building owned by the chief. The school is broken down. There's no flowing water. And one day you take him up and bring the person to Accra, take him to one of these high-rise buildings in Accra with lights shining, and tell the person, listen, this is your new place. You can possess this building. The building is so tall, it looks like it's going to fall on his head. It has more electricity than he has ever seen in his life. He doesn't even understand how to operate the lift or the elevator. He, does, he hasn't been in an air-conditioned office before, and you are telling him he can possess it. That's how the Israelites felt. Wilderness boys, now confronted with a modern city, and God is telling them, go take it. No wonder some of them thought they were like grasshoppers when they saw that place. But Jericho... And the promised land was their dream. Under slavery, they had dreamed of the promised land. When they were going through hardship and they were being beaten, they dreamed of the land. One day we'll get our own land. It's a land God's promised Abraham. A land flowing with milk and honey. After freedom, they said, oh, we're going to our land. It's going to be a great place. In the wilderness, they dreamed of the promised land. And now... 
it's before them and it's shut there are people who have dreamed all their lives for some things in their lives to happen but when they see what they were dreaming of in front of them it scares them this is what you believed you would become this is what you wanted to achieve this is what you were praying that God would give you until you saw it. The reality evaporates the dream. The reality is scary. And they're standing there. The door is shut. The walls are high. And they don't know what to do. How do you even attack such a city? We've never done that before. And so, early the next morning, no, the next morning, of the morning of the battle, Joshua is out in the field praying and meditating, I'm sure, seeking God's face. What do we do? If I fail to take the city, the people are going to reject me as leader. Moses just died over the Jordan. I'm the new leader. Don't disgrace me, Lord. And he is praying, and he sees a man with a sword drawn. And he says, are you, are, you, are you for us or against us? That's a good question. Are you for us against us? And the guy says, I've come from heaven. I am on God's side. If you're on God's side, I'm on your side. But I'm not for you. I'm for God. So if you want me to be for you, you better be for God. And he tells Joshua, see, I like what the angel said. Because the angel offered what I call God's viewpoint. God's viewpoint. What is God's viewpoint? He says, see. Everybody say see. Say it again, see. He says, see, I have given Jericho into your hand. He didn't say see. I can give Jericho into your hand. He didn't say, see, Jericho may be given into your hand. He didn't say, see, I shall give Jericho into your hand. He says, see, I have past perfect. I have given Jericho into your hand. But see it. What you see is a wall. What you see is a defended city. What you see is a, is a condition you cannot penetrate to. But I want you to see. I have given it into your hand. That's what he said. See. Before you even fight. See. Before you take one step. To deal with this problem, something must happen with your seeing. Because the problem is what you are seeing. You see a city shut, I see a city given into your hand. See, I have given Jericho into your hand. See, I have given that business into your hand. See, I have given that house into your hand. See, I have given that degree 
to you already. See. See it. Because you have to first see your breakthrough with the eye of faith before you experience it. You want Jericho to fall? You must see that it is falling. That is why my sermon is not titled, Jericho shall fall. I titled it, Jericho is falling. It has already happened. You have to see it happen before it happens. You must see with the eye of faith. You must see the breakthrough before it becomes a breakthrough. Because you see, all of us struggle with pictures in our minds. Pictures in our minds. And the pictures in your minds can scare you. They can frighten you. Pictures of death. Pictures of destruction. Pictures of defeat. I can guarantee some of us cannot even see ourselves 10 years from now. We can't. Some say, well, well I don't know what will happen. See it! I can't tell tomorrow. See tomorrow before you can tell it. Because if you can't see it, you cannot have it. God said to Abraham, see the land that you see, that's what I'm going to give to you. Well, how far can the naked eye see? Probably 20 miles. God was saying to Abraham, don't limit your seeing to your physical eyes. See also with your imagination. See rivers in your mind. See mountains in your mind. See valleys in your mind. And if you can see it, I will give it to you. The biggest challenge to any breakthrough effort is what you see. It's what you see. It's the mountains you see. It's the walls you see. It's the shut door you see. That's why the angel of the Lord said to Joshua, this is what God is saying. See, I have given Jericho into your hand. See it. There are a few things I want you to note about that statement. God always declares the end from the beginning. When you are starting something and God speaks to you, he will not talk about where you have started. He will talk about where you will end. Because he wants you always to work with the end in view. God speaks the end from the beginning. He calls the things which have not materialized as though they have materialized. See your husband. See your wife. See your children. See when you are 90 years old. See it. You may be 40 now, but see 90. You may be 30. See 80. See it. God declares the end from the beginning. Before this year ends, you must see it. Yeah. You must see 31st December 
before the 31st December. Don't wait to allow the current of time to push you along. Don't be like a log on the sea or a log on a body of water. A log has no choice. It only flows this way and that way and this way and that way. You are not a log. You are a child of the Most High God. Don't allow time and the currents of time to shift you one way and one way and the other way. And all you do is respond to it. You have to chart your own course. And you do that by seeing what God sees. He declares the end from the beginning. Secondly, when we fight as Christians... We fight from a position of guaranteed victory. See, I have given you the city. In other words, your victory has been guaranteed. You are not now going to claim the victory. The victory has been guaranteed. You are only enforcing the guarantee. It's a guaranteed victory. It is a victory that is assured. You will overcome. You will be the head. You will be above. You will see the glory of God. You will be blessed beyond measure. You will be the head and not the tail. That is the guaranteed victory. Now, when you start fighting, you don't fight as somebody who is now going to be victorious. You are somebody who is victorious, who is now ensuring that the victory becomes real. It is a guaranteed victory. Now Joshua could have said, well, if it is given, then I'm going home. He knew it has been given, but I must fight for it. We fight from the position of guaranteed victory. Thirdly, what God puts into your hand you must be able to take it by faith. If God is putting it into your hand, you must take it. God will not take it for you. He says, I've given it to you. You must say, I receive it. I've given it to you. I receive it. I've made you the head. I receive it. I have blessed you. I receive it. Because what he gives, you must take. Or you must receive. So, the Lord speaks to Joshua. The city is shut, but see, it's yours. There are mighty men of valor there, but see, it's yours. They don't want you to enter, but see, it's yours. You feel insignificant compared to that problem, but see, it's yours. Until you can see yourself living somewhere... Even when you are giving the place, you would think it's too good for you. Do you know some of you, when you are giving a house in certain places, you would not live there? Recently, when there was that raffle and uh, a guy who is a carpenter won a very nice residential house, almost a million cities or so. And I, I was listening to all the advice people gave him. Nobody told him to live there. 
And I heard people say, if I was him, I wouldn't live there. If I'm him, ah, I will rent it. I will sell it. I will rent it. I will sell it. Do you know why they were telling him he must rent or sell the house? Do you know another person, if that person won the house, nobody would tell him to rent it. They would say, hey, go and live there and enjoy. <laughs> you, know, you know why they're telling him he can't live there? Because they look at him and say, see, <laughs> that's not your kind of house. <laughs> Let somebody else go and live there because it doesn't fit you. If you don't see it, you cannot live in it. You cannot claim it. Even if it is offered for, to you, you will give it to somebody else who fits the place more than you. question I'm going to ask you is, if God blesses you, can you take it? I mean bless. You sure? (laughs) Don't talk like that though. Because I'm telling you, if God gave you a brand new airplane, 747, you wouldn't ride it. You rent it to Ghana, Ghana International Airlines. But somebody else will retrofit that plane and use it for himself. Why? Because what you see determines what you can receive. And for many of us, we haven't seen ourselves in some, at some levels before. Every time you see yourself, you are low. Every time. And so if God blesses you, you cannot receive it. Are you ready for God's blessing? In this year of breakthrough, how big a breakthrough are you looking forward to? What breakthrough do you see? The Lord said to Joshua, I'm giving you the victory, but he gives him the scope of victory, the extent of victory, how far the victory will go, how wide is the victory. What kind of victory is God giving him? What kind of victory is God giving Israel? What is the measure? He gave him three levels of victory. And I want you to take this seriously because the victories God gives you fall into these three levels. The first one, he said, I will give you the city. The city. That is the land and the territory. The city of Jericho, I've given it to you. See, the city is yours. The physical property, the landed property, the space, I've given it to you. The physical property, the city. That's the first thing. See, The city is yours. But God didn't stop there. He could have said, I've given you the city, go take it. But he goes ahead and gives him the second level of victory. He says, I have given you the king. Everybody say the king. 
the king talks about the dominions and the powers. The king, not just the city, because you can take the city. If you have the city and you don't have the king, you are in big trouble. Because the king can come back and reclaim the city. The king. This refers to those who control the land and set the atmosphere for how things happen. Kings take hold of territories and determine who can come in and who can go out. Spiritually, when the Bible talks about kings in this context, it's talking about something the book of Ephesians describes as principalities and powers. Territorial spirits. Spirits that control a province. And determine who will prosper. Do you remember when Satan was tempting Jesus? He took him to a high mountain. And he said to Jesus, the same thing the angels, the Lord says to Joshua. He says, see. He says, see. Told Jesus, see. And the Bible says he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. That means it wasn't just a physical vision. It was a spiritual vision. You can't stand on one mountain and see the whole world. But he showed him the kingdoms of the world. And he says, all this is in my power. Now, if he was telling a lie, Jesus would have said, the devil is a liar. He would have said, you are a liar. Jesus never said you are a liar. Jesus understood the dynamics of spiritual power. But the next statement Satan used was troubling. He says, and I give it to whomever I want. So what he's saying is that beyond the physical terrain, there is a spiritual power that is controlling access to that wealth. And that spiritual power will give it to the people he likes. And he tells Jesus, if you want me to like you, so I can give it to you, then you bow to me. Well, Jesus says, we don't bow to you. You'll bow to me three years from now, but... You can say what you want now, but one of these days, I'm going to take that power from you and I'm going to crush your head. Take the keys and give it to my people. But Satan was saying a spiritual truth. There is a city and there is the king. And if you have the city and you don't have the king, you have nothing. So God is saying to Joshua, I'm going to give you the city, but not only that, I'll give you the king of the city. The king spiritually represents the spiritual entity that controls access to the wealth in this place of fragrance. I'm going to give that to you. Spiritual authority. It's no wonder that most of the time, believers don't end up getting the wealth. Because the kings don't give it to us. And the king will never give it to you. 
because you are none of his. In the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God allows in this condition violence. That's what John the Baptist says. The kingdom of God allows it. And the men of violence take it by force. Because that king is never going to give you the authority. So you have to have the power to take the authority from the king. That's what God is saying to Joshua. I'm going to give the king into your hand. He's not going to come. I will give him to you. You are going to take him by force. You're going to pull down his kingdom. Spiritually, the king talks about spiritual authority, principalities, powers. But those kings also have physical representatives. And this year I'm going to do quite a bit of teaching on that. Because you see, there are certain industries that there are kings, magnates, potentates, who have taken command of that industry. And they determine who will come in and who will go out. And anytime you try to penetrate, they will crush you. Some of you have been fighting kings and you can't get through because there are certain industries they will let you go so far and no more. If you try to, they will crush you. So all you are left to do is doing tabletop business. Operating at low levels. But they never give you the kingship. In this year of the breakthrough, not only are we taking the city, but we are taking the kings as well. The spiritual authorities as well as the monopolists who have denied access to the children of God. You have to learn to take them. Because if you don't take them, you will be playing at the shore. You won't play at the big leagues. I have given you the city. Everybody say, I have the city. Say, I have the king. You must have both. The city and its king. You can't just be in Ghana and say, well, we have taken Ghana. You've taken Ghana, but somebody's controlling Ghana. Because you, sometimes you take the city, but you're not the king. But you must be the king. Then he gives him a third level in the scope of things. A third level. He says, I have given you also the mighty men. The mighty men. These are assigned combatants. This refers to those who directly contend with you. They operate under the command and direction of the king, of the dominions and powers. They are not dominions, but they operate under the dominions. Spiritually, the mighty men of valor here could represent human agents. Human agents that yield to the enemy's power so that he uses them as he wills. There are mighty men of valor. They are not principalities, but they are being used. They are the people you confront every day. You deal with them every time. You encounter them. 
Because in a battle like Jericho, you wouldn't go and fight the king. You fight the mighty men of valor. But the mighty men of valor are under the king. But those mighty men of valor have the, the power of the king to wage warfare. In the spiritual realm, you call them witches, wizards, mediums, and all kinds of names. They are low-level forces. But you deal with them. And God says, I'm giving you the city, I've given you the kings, and I'm giving you the mighty men of valor. Three levels of victory. You take the city, you take the king, and you take the agents of the king as well. Jesus said in the book of Mark that no one can enter a strong man's house and take his goods except first he binds the strong man then after he had dealt with the strong man the booty is there and if you would notice after God has said this to, to uh, Joshua he says now when he gives you the city the king and the mighty man he says you can go in and take the gold and the silver and take everything because when the city is yours the king is yours the mighty men are yours the rest is available for the taking the reason you can't take the gold is because the city is not yours the king is not yours the mighty men are not yours but i'm giving you victory on three levels this year you will win your spiritual battles you will win your spiritual warfare. And don't be ignorant and just walk through and just... Some of you are contending with things you have no idea of. You are fighting forces at levels and you, 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 you are just like a toy. Just going through and oh, it will be well, it will be well. Yes, it's good to say positive things, but the king is there. You must take the king down. You must bring down the mighty man of valor. You must get the city. Then you can take the gold. Then you can take the silver. Then you can take everything. But until you take the city, the king, and the mighty man, you cannot take the victory. So as Joshua is going into battle, he must be mindful of three things. The city, the king, the mighty man. The city, the king, the mighty man. I just want to boldly declare there are areas of operation in our country that citizens of this country have never been able to take the commanding heights. Areas of operation in commerce, in, in business, and so on. Now we are going to get oil too. And there are some kings trying to make sure you don't get access to the wealth of your land but in this year of the breakthrough we are taking the city we are taking the kings we are taking the mighty men and the gold and the silver will belong to the children of god we are not just going to wage warfare on land we'll wage warfare in heavenly places and we're going to take the city the kings the mighty man of valor. 
That's what God promised to Joshua. This is going to be a total victory. You're going to go in there and you're going to clear them all. And if you can take Jericho, you can take the rest of the cities. Except you're foolish, which they were right after this. But they got it back. And they marched from victory unto victory unto victory unto victory. Because if you can just take Jericho, it opens the door to cycles of victory. Cycles of victory. Where you have had cycles of defeat, you're going to have cycles of victory. But you must first take Jericho. The first step. The first objective. That thing which God promised you. Don't run from it. Don't shy from it. Don't go back. Don't give up. Don't say, well, it hasn't happened before. I'm too old. I can't do it. Oh, yes, you can do it. Because by the time Joshua is leading this battle, he's not a young man. I'm not sure exactly of his age, but his age mate, Caleb, gives us an idea of how old they are. <laughs> Caleb says, I'm 85. We started this thing long ago. I'm 85. So, let's say Caleb was older than Joshua, but by how many years? Even if he's older by 10 years, Joshua is 75. He's not a young boy. He's an old man who has waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited and waited for this time. Then he sees the wall. And God says, don't worry. See, I have given you the city, the king, and the mighty man. Somebody is getting ready for that. Yeah. Let me end with this. I'm going to continue from here. I'm just giving you an introduction to next week. The Jericho strategy which I'll focus on mostly next week. The Jericho strategy. How were they going to do this job and break through this mighty fortress and have the victory? God gave them what I call a six to one strategy. Everybody say six to one. Okay, what is that? Six days of marching and quietly building momentum six days quietly building momentum six days they're just marching they're marching god says don't say anything just march day one they just march day two they march day three they march just marching not making sound the only sound being heard is the sound of trumpets. The trumpets blow for a while. Boom, boom. The people march and go home. Six days. Then he tells, there's going to be one day. Everybody say one day. It's going to be one day of accelerated marching and loud noise. One day of accelerated marching. And loud noise. If you ask most people, 
how did the walls of Jericho fall? I can guess your answer. Most people will say, the people shouted and the walls came down. Is that not so? That's what most people will say. Most people will forget the six days of silence. As if the six days of silence did not contribute to the one day of victory. It's a six to one process. It's not one to six. You don't shout for six days and be quiet the seventh day. You work subterraneally. You work underground. You work like a submarine. The enemy doesn't see it. You are coming quietly. You are building momentum quietly. You are doing it here a little, there a little. You are building strength. You are building strategy quietly. And then the final day, you change strategy. What I have seen wrong, many people start dealing with Jericho and they start with shouting. I'm coming. I've started my business. We will take over. We will be done. And you are crushed. And you never get to take the victory because the king there, he's not going to give you the chance. So God gives them six to one. Everybody say six to one. That simply means you work more in silence than in the public. You work more in silence than in the public. You don't expose your strategy. You don't make noise. You don't advertise yourself. You don't launch yourself big. But you work quietly. And then, one day, just one day, he gives you the permission to make a shout. By the time you get ready to shout, you'll be marching quietly without notice for six days. And when you shout, people can stop you because you've already built your strength. And now you are ready to take the city. It's a six to one strategy. Six days of quiet work, building momentum and one day of public visible noise I'm going to work a little bit more with this next week but just let me say this what God has called you to do if you go advertising it now before you do your six days of work somebody will kill it before it manifests. What God has called you to do is great. It's mighty. It's a new idea. Some of you ideas will drop into your head. Six days of quietness. Don't go and publicize the idea. Don't go and tell people this is a new idea I have. This is a new idea I have. Keep quiet. Because it's six to one. Everybody says six to one. If you're going to share the idea, share it with somebody who is marching with you around the wall. Don't share it so that the people inside the wall hear what you are planning. Only the people marching with you around the wall must know what you are trying to do. 
somebody will say, well, what if I do that? Well, how will people know? The command for noise will come. And when the command for noise comes, you will not just create attention. Because this noise, it wasn't for attention. The wall fell flat. Because when that command comes and you step out, walls are going to come. And they're going to drop down. They're going to drop down all over. This year, your assignment is to take Jericho. Your assignment is to take Jericho. Say, this year, my assignment is to take Jericho. Say, I will take Jericho by the six to one strategy. You have to take your Jericho. Don't march past Jericho. Don't go to I without Jericho. Don't go to the next easy town because Jericho is hard. You will stay on that problem. You will solve it. You will conquer it. The city, the king, and its mighty men, the Lord has put into your hand. Get ready for some great victories in this year of your breakthrough. Hallelujah. Thank you for making time to listen to Living Word. To correspond with Dr. Mensah Autoville, please write to Living Word, International Central Gospel Church, PO Box 7933, Accra, Ghana. Telephone 233-21-688-000. Fax 233-21-688-007. Email autoville at centralgospel.com. For further information on other messages by Dr. Mensa Otterville, please email tapes at centralgospel.com and visit www.centralgospel.com. Oh, 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 o